Cheers and salute. Welcome. Bienvenidos to Mezcal Stories. The mission of the Mezcal Institute is to promote Mexico's most esteemed beverage to the world. We support and empower mezcaleros, mezcaleras, palenques, and their surrounding communities in the preservation and protection of Mexico's most emblematic spirit. To tell the stories in an authentic format about our dynamic and diverse mezcal community. I'm Rolinda Doherty, the Director of Communications and Education for the Mezcal Institute. And with me is Pablo Pairo, the CEO and founder of the Mezcal Institute. Thank you for joining us. Let's raise our veladoras and have a conversation about mezcal. Well, welcome, everyone. Welcome, listeners. Thank you very much, Erlinda. Welcome, our guests that um, we have from Ajal Mezcal in Durango, the owners and the founders of this company, which are the sisters uh, Paulina and Andrea. And uh, we are excited to have you with us. So maybe if you could uh, start by sharing with us how this project came about, how Ajal Mezcal was born, and uh, what type of products you have where you sell it, and a little bit of your backgrounds also. Well, we are right now the third generation in this company. We started in an informal way in the in the town where we have an, a little alambique. We sell it to our friends, to our family, to the people for, for, of the town. But in 2016, we decided to get it in a formal well, way since the harvest to the bottling so that we can have all the, the agave chain in a informal way so that we can work it. How means reborn in the in Tepehuan, that is the, the a dialect from Durango. We decide to put our philosophy, which is the tradition, sustainability and empowerment with the Mexican traditions. These are typical Mexican Mexican colors like uh, the typical rosa mexicano, blue and yellow. The background is a sarape, that is a traditional costume. Yes, it does. It does look like a sarape for for our uh, podcast listeners. Um, mm -hmm. Describing it, it has yellow. It has rosa mexicano or Mexican pink. It has magenta blue. Uh, it has a triangle, uh, excuse me, uh, uh, what is it? Like so a, it's a diamond that is part of a diamond in the center. Are, so it's it's really beautiful. Women. That's why we decided to do a diamond and each ah. one of us because our legal name is Diamante Mezcalero. It, there are six peaks because it represents the six women that, that conform part of the society. Uh, one thing to mention that is important for us is that we are the unique society that is conformed by women and managed by women in Durango that is selling right now the really? at Asia. Mm. We're exporting it at Asia for us. And if you can if you can also um, share with us, Andrea, Paulina, what are the roles that you both have within the company? I understand that one of you takes care of the administration, marketing and so on. The other one is more um, engaged in the production of the product. How do you set up the responsibilities? Well, we try to respect the tradition process from the past. So yes. uh, Mari, that is uh, like our um, president, she's not now in the podcast because it, we couldn't be all together. But yes. we can explain what each one of, of us makes in the process. Mari is the one that has the knowledge of traditional mezcal. I am a okay, I'm Andrea. I'm the chemical engineer. So we are trying to respect the traditional process, but also giving some quality with uh, some controls in temperature, in pressure, 
and in some alcoholic um, vapors. So we can control the quality uh, when we give the final product. And um, Paulina, she is my sister. Mm -hmm. She also part of the society. Well, well I am more in an administrative background. I have a degree in, in when well, I have an MBA. So my okay. challenge is more in sales, in management, all the logistical parts of the company. That's how we we have our own roles in the company. And we yes. are trying to make like a bond from the path, from the traditions, respecting that part, but also giving like a more um, structural uh, way of working. We, uh, we want to gain all together, to have yes. all the people that have all the knowledge, but also to give a quality product to the market. And I think that is why we are now in one of the more well in japan that is the king of the quality they really expect good quality products and that maybe that's why we could we could enter to that market no oh, excellent and so you sell in mexico you sell in in, in durango in in the some other cities maybe, and then in Japan, do you sell in another, um, in addition to Mexico and Japan, in another place? Or in the future, are you thinking about including other either countries or other cities to your export path? Well, our now nowadays we, we do work in Mexico, in Durango, in Jalisco, in Puerto Vallarta, in those touristic places from Mexico, you can find yes. products. We also are talking about exporting about uh, out of Mexico. We work in Japan and our distributor in Japan also help us to have some contact in Hong Kong. You right. know, uh, we had the opportunity last, well, before pandemic, we had the opportunity to work with the best barman in the in Asia. He prepared yes. some products, some mezcal cocktails with our mezcal. And I think he, he really liked that. So we had the chance to get to know in Hong Kong because the best barman in Asia is in Hong Kong. And also something to be mentioned is that uh, like about one month was the Margarita Day in Japan. And we participated there and we got the third place with all the, all the participants that were... Oh, that's incredible. Congratulations. Mm -hmm. That's fantastic. I saw the, uh, the on your uh, social media, the fact that you were awarded that. That's amazing. So go, <laughs> go you. So what, one of the things, Paulina and Andrea, that really drew me to you, of course, is the fact, well, that we're, we're all women and we were celebrating, you know, Women's History Month here in the United States. And I really made a, a very a concerted effort to re to reach out to you know the women in the mezcal community, whether it be brands, owners, or mezcaleras, or educators, and so forth. You know, your brand, of course, really spoke to me. And why don't you talk a little bit about maybe some of the the challenges of, of being the one of the few women-owned brands, you know, in the mezcal space. Um, also the fact that you have mezcaleras to very few mezcaleras, right? Most 90 yeah. something percent are usually men. Some of the challenges and maybe some of the opportunities. What, what do you see actually changing that's that's for the best as we as we move forward, as mezcal grows in the world? They were, every day, well, it, it has been, well, more women are involved in this industry day by day. But it has been difficult because some uh, many people think that this work is just for men. At the beginning, it was difficult. But I think when you show a good product to the customers, that we are women and we can also give a good product, that's what made you make the customer have more uh, credibility and confidence to your product. Many uh, women in the town, well, in fact, where we have the, the, in Durango we say Binata, but it's the same as Palenque. It's a, the small facility where we produce mezcal. 
It is located in, the name is Jose Maria Pino Suarez. It's a small town in Durango, and it is part of this really poor uh, town. It is um, maybe is one of the, well, in the 10th place of the poorest towns in, in, in the Mexico. whole Mexico. So this is a chance to give them a work to make them feel productive because many of the men living in this town usually go to USA to look for opportunity to work and they leave the woman alone mm -hmm. in, in the town. So we are giving them a chance to, feel the, to make the woman feel productive and to, uh, to teach them or them to learn another activity to do. We use the ceniso agave, that is endemic species from Durango, because Durango is really, really extreme weather. In summer, it is really hot, and in winter, it, it is sometimes snow. it's snow. So this agave is really strong, and it can be grown in these, um, in these weather changes. The agave has nice flower that grow in the center, that is named quiote, and yep. it's in the flower, it has a small, a small seeds. We have to take those seeds and then reproduce them in our uh, greenhouse. We call it greenhouse because we take care of weather in this house, but only for two years. Then when the agave has been strength, it, it is strong enough, we take it back to the mountains, to, to those towns. And we learn those people from town how to take care naturally of those agave. We can be named semi-wild yes. because we take care only two years from the agave and then we take it back to the, to the land and it grow uh, along without using any fertilizer. And then when the agave is 10 years old, because an agave takes 10 to 13 years old, when that time is over, we use the agave for our process for the mezcal production. And if we talk about the um, types of varieties that um, you have for your mezcal, is it one type of mezcal blanco or do you also carry the reposados or do you have uh, exclusively durangensis or cenizo or do you also do ensambles? What type of varieties of mezcal do you produce? We only produce, we only use the agave species, cenizo. but we yes. produce only blanco or joven type of mezcal. We have the, the idea that Blanco or joven is the kind of mezcal where you can have all the flavors, all the natural notes from the agave directly. But when you use some barrels, the flavor can change a little bit. And I think that's the magic or the special from mezcal, which type of agave you use. If you drink it directly, blanco or joven, you can detect in your mouth all the difference between and all the magic between all the different species of agave. Now we only use ceniso or durangensis, but in fact, it's our uh, mid-term plan to start making different uh, mezcal from different varieties, but only from Durango because Durango is the second state with more agave varieties. The first place is Oaxaca, of course, because they have a, no, a lot of knowledge in this area. But Durango, we have a good opportunity there. And in terms of the alcohol level of your product, um, I understand it's 40 degrees alcohol by volume, or you also have a stronger one, right? A 45 um, uh, degree alcohol by volume. And why, why is this difference? Well, the Asian market uh, really accepts 
the 40 grade degrees because their culture is different. They they're they are kind of worried about getting uh, a, a higher volume alcohol. So they decide to to get the opportunity to try the 40 grades and they they really like this flavor because it's more smoothies. Well, I also think that many many of uh, mezcal producers we start with a low alcohol percentage. We normally start like 40. I have I have seen other brands that start with 38 because we want to know the market. We are new in the market. We want to get to know how the how the customers accept the product. But when you find that there is also people who love high percentage of of mezcal, you can make that change. And that's why we decide to start with 40%. But we have seen that it has many customers really accept the 40%. And maybe it can be time to change for the 45. Because uh, when you get to that uh, customer that really loves mezcal, they also love the high percentage of mezcal. And also the notes, the flavors, the smells can change just with 5% of, uh, of alcohol degree. And we do have yes. those pre presentation 40 and 45. Thank you. So us, you know, we have listeners that are listening with their ears right now, trying to imagine you know, what your mezcal tastes like. Can you maybe describe a little bit how your mezcal, because it's made from the Siniso, how that might differ a little bit or what the notes might be, the characteristics might be different than the Espadine, which we mostly, you know, which we're more familiar with. I'd love to hear how you could describe maybe the differences so we can get an, an idea of what, of what your mezcal, the mezcal experience would be. Maybe we can start, for example, we can start with that when you see when in the view, like it's a, a white or a joven or blanco, it's crystalline and it's transparent, so it has no color. But when you uh, take it to your nose, you could find some uh, fruity smell of flavor, not flavor because it's in your nose. Some is fruit, uh, colors, maybe some almond at the end. And when you take it to your mouth, you can find at the beginning some citric uh, flavors. I could uh, compare it to like more, when you talk about fruit to peach, also to some pineapple, and at the end, you can find also some almond notes. Yeah. But also when you, if you leave your copita, like five minutes with the mezcal and then you drink it, you could also find some lactic uh, aromas. I think that could be like a whole description of the mezcal and you can have a better idea of how it tastes. And what about if you could maybe share with our listeners, what do you hear from your distributor in Japan or when um, they have had your product in Hong Kong, do they usually use ajal mezcal to drink it neat, uh, to sip it? Or do you find that in Japan, they're more used to cocktails? What can you share with our audience of what the, your, your market uh, in Japan and how that is different to your market in Mexico? Well, in uh, Japan, I didn't know until we get into that market that Japanese bartenders are considered the best ones in the world. I didn't know they have really good schools there. And so they like, they love to prepare different cocktails. Uh, in the contest Margarita Day last year, they prepared a margarita with some carrots. And I think that's really nice when you can like, have the opportunity to create and to be more 
imaginative or more uh, creative, making new cocktails. And when we just started entering to that market, they began making cocktails. But even last uh, week, they uh, make an article about the description of the of this of hal, and they make a recommendation that you can drink it directly, just sip. So I think that maybe they are changing a little bit yeah. the perspective that this uh, mezcal can also be drink directly. Thank you. And speaking of in, in the house, you know, we've obviously for over a year now have been enduring this global pandemic. How has that affected you as you're growing and sort of approaching the global market with, with, with your mezcal? What are your plans for, for 2021 and then going into, into the other years, into the next years? We thought that maybe this pandemic will slow our sales. But last year, I think that we were all scary. We didn't know how this virus is going to act. So, of course, our sales go a little bit slow. But in national sales, many people start buying it online. So, online uh -huh, and they start uh, drinking it in their own house, making uh, we cocktail have, recipes. Mm -hmm, making some cocktail recipes. We have a, a cocktail catalog and we normally, uh, we can send it to you by free. So you can make it in your own house, your, uh, prepare your own experience. But for these two, uh, for this year, we have some plans. We want to enter to the American uh, market. I hope we can have some opportunity. And I think that the American market has been growing a lot because of that. We are near to USA. You have the opportunity to come here to Mexico. Many American people come here to, for example, many go to Mazatlan, that is the nearest port in Durango, and they can go to our facility and have the experience of how we make mezcal. And also to have the experience how artisanal mezcal is done, because it's a really big, different world when you talk about just mezcal and when you talk about artisanal mezcal. Ajal is uh, recognized as a artisanal process. And the big difference is um, the machines we use. We use uh, stone ovens for cooking the agave, and it lasts maybe four days in the ovens. And that's why you can find some smoke flavors in the product, because we cook it with some uh, fire. We also have the fermentation process in wood vessels. It's a natural fermentation. We do not use any yeast. We use the natural from the environment. And it takes another four days to have the fermentation. Then it comes the distillation process. We make a double distillation using copper alambics. And that's, uh, that's what we make this uh, mezcal artisanal. And also it is important to say that in the distillation process, we don't we don't use steam. We use fire for for having for heating the alambics. So that's the big difference between uh, just mezcal and an artisanal mezcal. What about the fact that you are from Durango? When you see that the exports from mezcal from Oaxaca represent ninety percent of the market, yet there are another eight states that produce either the whole state or municipios within the state. Durango is uh, certainly far away from Oaxaca, yet having so much diversity. What do you think is needed for the consumer to, the, or even not, not only the consumers, but the industry? What do you think it would take for the industry and, and, and the drinkers to recognize 
the variety that it's not only Oaxaca, but that um, it's in San Luis Potosí, like in your case in Durango, in so many other states. What do you suggest that is done? There is more knowledge of the diversity, not only of agaves, but of places where mezcal, artisanal mezcal or ancestral mezcal is made. I think that's a teamwork. Mezcal, uh, Oaxaca ha, has made a really good teamwork. All mezcaleros there support each other. The government, the touristic uh, area has helped them with some announcement and um, some marketing work. And I think that we can approach that. We can see Oaxaca as an example that if you work all together, you can reach really a good uh, high boundaries or high expectations. And I think that's what, what all mezcaleros from other states can learn. Also, if we could have the, some uh, touristic support, I mean, as I told you before, if we are near from Mazatlan, Mazatlan. that many people go to Mazatlan as support, we can make some, um, some uh, campaign. Uh, Mazatlan from Durango is three hours far. So we can go and take the tourist, uh, tourist people and we can take it to the facility. And also I think we are the, the state that is more in the north that uh, near from USA, from USA. that mm -hmm. uh, many people can also have the opportunity if they want to have the experience of how a mezcal is done. But we do need some help of the government. That's wonderful. Thank you for that. And um, can you talk to us a little bit more about maybe some of the other sustainability efforts that you all are involved in? And um, we'd love to hear about that too, especially as, as the, the, the industry, the sector is growing, you know, preserving the land, the environment um, and traditions are, are very important. So maybe a little bit about how you are looking at the future and what sustainability um, efforts you, you have involved at HAL. Yeah, I think we, in the process, we can name like maybe three sustainable activities we do. The first one is, as I explained you, is the agave growing program. I know that maybe uh, consuming or using wild agave, it can be good, but we have to take care about what will happen in the future when we do not have any wild agave. So that's why we decide to make this agave growing program. And we can maybe say that for every agave we use in the process, we give back three more agaves. That, that's the agave we grown in the greenhouse. We also use uh, some uh, solar energy. So the, for using the pumps in the process, we have some panels in the, in the facility. And also we use the wind energy for pumping the water to the process. We use mineral water from the back, well, from under the, the underground. underground. We use that water, and for pumping that water, we use the wind energy, wind energy to pump it to the process. And what about um, the the situation of the mezcal producing communities? And uh, with the pandemic, I can imagine that uh, it must have been even more complicated for some of these communities to be able to sell their mezcal. What are your thoughts as to how um, mezcal is evolving in Durango? I think uh, we in Durango, we are just small producers. 
So we just have many of the facilities are just artisanal uh, process. Many of them do not have, do not use steam. I think, I'm not sure if there is a big facility in Durango, like with industrial process. I know one that uses uh, steam and it's, I think it's the only one in Durango that has uh, changed the process to the industrial one. But uh, the other ones we still use uh, artisanal. artisanal process. And year by year, do you see that there are more vinatas um, producing mezcal or the contrary? Do you see that year after year, less people are producing mezcal in the Durango? I think we are the same producers, but they many people from different states are coming to Durango and looking for a small producer to produce their mezcal for other brands. If you are a producer, you can make the effort to work and to make your own, to have your own brand because the producers are the, the ones that make the magic in the, in, for the mezcal. And many people come here and want they own, want they own brand, but uh, the hard work are done by producers. So you can make a small effort and it's going to be hard because many do not have the preparation or have or think it's going to be a hard work but once you start making it you can make it, it grow i'm going to compare it to oaxaca because it's the big industry mezcal industry they have the many maestros mezcaleros that produce their own brands they and many people are are producing their mezcal there but they give the 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 place to the maestro mezcalero. Yes. And in Oaxaca, it's really important to name, like to have the signature of the maestro mezcalero in the bottle, because that gives you more uh, pre prestige. It's not only the brand, it's who is making it, who is mm -hmm. making it. Yes, absolutely. The traceability, and that's one of the things that here in the, in the United States, it's uh, really appreciated 40% last, uh, before the pandemic, it grew 40% in 2019 versus 2018. It was the fastest growing spirit category in the, in the US. And that's something that uh, is very appreciated. The fact that it is handcrafted, that it is artisanal. So absolutely what you're describing is something that the traceability, that knowing that uh, it's fair trade or not, all of these are questions of sustainability that are starting to be asked by the industry slowly, but um, for sure we are seeing if there's gender equity, all of these things are starting to be asked. So I'm, I'm, I'm very happy that um, you, you are uh, so aware of the importance of having this traceability and organic nature of the product. Um, that's something that is very, very appreciated here in the United States. We are also working for uh, having more fair trade that you mentioned, which all is an indigenous group from Mexico that is really representative because they do handcraft uh, things using Shakiras. And we are now making like uh, alliance. For those that are just listening that and they cannot see, we made a special book that is decorated with Shakiras. And inside you can find a small bottle of a hal is uh, 250 milliliters. And also there is two copitas. Two copitas. Those copitas are also decorated 
with uh, Shakira's, and also it comes with a chili or chili powder from yes. Chile from Durango. Is this a special edition? Is this uh, going to be only um, for a certain period of time being sold, or is this going to be in your regular uh, presentation? This 250, uh, I guess, sample pack that you're showing, which, which by the way, is it's so beautiful. It's a regular presentation that is okay. really good appreciated at the touristic places in Mexico. But yes, we went to to sell it mm. in other places. It came uh, as an idea when this pandemia started. Uh, you know, these uh, which all group are vulnerable groups. And we said, oh, maybe we can have an idea of how we can introduce their products and uh, also using uh, for uh, having the mezcal experience. And a friend of us helped us making the, the design of the copita. And he worked directly with the witch all groups. So maybe we started in the pandemia and you can find it online. And I hope we can keep uh, selling it just for uh, having like an opportunity or to give an opportunity to the vulnerable groups. And also if you want to have it like a gift, you can also buy it and you can, you are helping different groups. You are helping the witch all, you are helping also us as uh, producers. <laughs> And the people, I guess, since you don't sell in the U.S. still, in the future you will, but for the people in Mexico, um, because we do expect that there will be people in Mexico also uh, listening to this podcast, where can they find this? Uh, what is your Instagram uh, account or your Facebook page? How do they find this product? Okay. In Instagram, we are as Ajal Mezcal. is A-J-A-L Mezcal. Facebook is the other way is Mezcal Ajal. Okay, thank you. And in, in the social media, you can find uh, the, the web page where you can find this product. Well, actually, let's let's think about an in Instagram. If you go to the to our Instagram page, Mezcal Stories, we will be sure to put a picture so that our, our followers are able to see it, as well as in our um, Instagram account from the Mezcal Institute, which is uh, Mezcal Institute. Um, so before we, we end today, because this has been a very, very inspiring discussion. And when we first met, I just knew we had to tell your story. One or two things that you want our audience to remember before we say goodbye today about what you're doing, what your plans are, maybe what you see yourself doing in three years. Just some closing notes that we can leave today after this amazing discussion. Well, about the challenges that you ask us, well, I am a mom. That is also a challenge when you are a woman working, but I invite the women to don't be afraid about that, to don't be worried. You can do bad things at the same time. When you manage yourself and when you manage your times, you are able to, to have a quality in your work and to have a quality with your family. So we can do it. <laughs> And maybe we can share that you can, maybe you can follow our uh, stories, our uh, Instagram. And you can, if you, if you all have the opportunity to go to Durango and you want to visit us, you can just uh, send on a, a message and DM. And we are going to be very happy to have you there. And well, and finally, that's something that is important to mention that we invite the American people that we know that you love the Oaxaca brands that to 
to have a site to other states where other eight states doing mezcal with the, the or in the denomination. Durango is one of them uh, to let us have the opportunity to try another variety. All of the varieties are really good. Do you have any idea as to when uh, you would expect to be selling in the US or is that something that you're still uh, in the planning stages? No, I'm sure it's going to be this year. Maybe at least one state, but this is our plan. To uh, this year, we, we want to start selling in USA. Excellent. Well, we will do everything we can at the Mescal Institute to try to help you um, achieve that goal. Yeah. So um, we are so happy that uh, you were able to give us your time and share with us your insights, your experiences, your wonderful stories, because that's precisely what we want to do. Uh, recognize small producers that have success both in Mexico, internationally, and uh, try to convey these uh, wonderful stories to the people that are enjoying mezcal and uh, to let them know why this beverage is so magical. Congratulations. And again, count on us to help you in any way, any manner than we can. Thank you. Uh, thank you for you, all your passion, for your enthusiasm. I, I think I'm sure you are making a really great work, work in USA uh, to talk for us, for all the producers. And I'm, I really got in love with all your projects. And I, we hope we can still work, have more work plans with you. Thank you. And likewise, you. Um, we will need to have you here in Washington, yes. D.C. Uh, we are going to have a few events during the year in other states as well. But for certain, at the end of the year, we will have the Mayaguel Awards, um, which we invite uh, the, the industry. So that's going to be happening at the end of the year. And in due time, we will share with you all the different activities because we would absolutely love for you to come uh, to visit. And certainly when we go, because we will certainly go to Durango at some point when we can, uh, we will make sure to stop by and to do a tour at your Vinasa. So thank you so much for your time. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much. And um, I knew from the first time I found you ladies that this was going to be great. <laughs> I'm a mom too, so I completely understand all the things you say. And, um, you know, you're an inspiration for, for me, for um, younger women that are coming up, you know, that, are, that want to follow their dreams and passions. And again, I thank you so much for sharing your story with us. And I think you're going to be uh, having to turn away all the masses that now want to go to Durango to, to taste your mezcal. So thank you so much. And that concludes our Mezcal Stories listeners. Please, you can find us on Instagram at, at Mezcal Stories and also uh, read more about our mission at the Mezcal Institute at, uh, on our social handles at, at Mezcal Institute. This is Erlinda saying goodbye. Have a wonderful day. Bye. Bye. Salud. Friends and amigos, thank you for listening to our story today. We hope you learned more about this historic artisanal beverage and the people that are key to its preservation. Be a part of our Mezcal community and follow our podcast here and in all our social media outlets at the Mezcal Institute. Salud! And don't miss our next story.